0: I've been going through the kings in the Old Testament and I want to make mention of the kings in the Old Testament when I give uh, some opening remarks at the conference and so I'm just refreshing my memory on them and it's just been really really instructive. You know, you read the the lives of these kings and what scripture records, I mean, they had an entire life. They had an entire some of them reigned for decades. And the only record that we have, the details of the record, is whether or not they sought the Lord, or they, uh, in some other way, did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Removing the idols, removing the high places and the groves. But that was the defining feature of these kings. In the Lord's opinion, uh, that was worthy to be recorded is whether or not this king, which, like I said, reigned for sometimes 20, 30 years, whether or not they sought the Lord. Um, Which should tell us that this is important in the eyes of the Lord. This is not a peripheral thing. Our prayer life is not peripheral. It's not secondary. It should be the feature of who we are. And as we pray together, I trust it's an exercising experience where we are growing in this grace. We're not just going to be a prayer warrior overnight as any more than an athlete will become a gold medalist overnight or, or anyone. This is, this is something that we have to continue to exercise ourselves in and learn. We learn from one another. I learn from you. I learn from the prayers of God's people. I learned to pray when I prayed with Dr. Cairns or Dr. Paisley or, or some of the other men in our churches. And that's that's how we learn. We're not going to go through an instruction manual. We're not going to sit in a class. We learn by praying with people. I believe that's one of the quote-unquote side benefits of a corporate prayer meeting is that you are actually learning by listening to the prayers of godly, seasoned, mature Christians that are crying out to the Lord. That's one of the reasons why I have a desire to get on the campus of Bob Jones and uh, seek to run the prayer meeting there on the campus. It's a little pie in the sky, I get it, but that's that's part of the reason I want to do what we can to hand over to the next generation something of of prayer and i believe the only way you can do that it's not going to be taught in the classroom the only way you can do that is to actually pray together with people that know how to lay hold on the lord so you saints who know the lord uh, especially you need to uh, see that as your mission to transfer to the next generation something of the gift that God has given you. Maybe you don't think you're much of a prayer warrior. Well, that may be true in the absolute sense, but if you know the Lord and you have a heart for Him and you love to pray, then that needs to be transferred. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we read that the Ammonites and the Moabites came against Jehoshaphat, And Jehoshaphat is fearful. That's noteworthy. I mean, he's a great king. He had great riches and honor bestowed upon him. You read that a couple of times in the previous chapters. And yet, he became fearful. And he set himself to seek the Lord, verse 3. And he brought all of Judah together to seek the Lord. That's noteworthy. And Jehoshaphat, verse 5, stood in the congregation in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. This is the same temple that King Solomon, hundreds of years before, dedicated to the Lord. If you, if you read back in Second Chronicles chapter 6, the great prayer of Solomon, the prayer of dedication. And what you see here in Jehoshaphat, he's standing in the same spot where Solomon was standing, probably, where all of Judah was gathered in his day. He's bringing them back together. So there's this sense of, we're here where he was. We, we remember what God promised. We remember what God did. He's maybe even thinking of his own father, King Asa. God worked a an enormous deliverance for him through his prayers. And so here, it's now his turn. And here he's standing, in the house of the Lord, before the new court, same place, you can just imagine it, same place, same scene, and he prays, O Lord, God of our fathers, he's hearkening back to, this is the God of our forefathers, the God that we pray to today, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's the God of Martin Luther, and of David Brainerd, and of uh, Jonathan Edwards and of the great revivals. This is our God. We're addressing the same God, same place. Art not thou God in heaven? He's asking the Lord, rhetorical question, of course. Are you not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? So. <laughs> Here's how he starts his prayer. Lord, are you not the God of heaven? And then he continues and he calls Abraham God's friend. Remember him. And verse 8, and they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary. He's probably pointing to the temple right before him. Built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name. This is the temple that King Solomon built. And then he quotes King Solomon's prayer. If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. It's a direct reference to King Solomon's prayer of dedication. It's wonderful. And the prayer, you should read it. It is wonderful. The the contents of King Solomon's prayer... You know what it is? Over and over and over again. You know what all it is? It's if we have famine, if we have pestilence, if we have sinned, if we have turned our backs on God, if we if in all the if we're in captivity, if we cry out to the Lord, if we pray, if we seek God, then hear from heaven. It's just a common refrain all throughout His prayer. If we do this, then hear from heaven. Hear from heaven. Solomon is asking for the future generations that God would hear prayer. And so here's Jehoshaphat. He is praying that promise because God said he would do that in chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7, God answers Solomon by dream by night and he says, "I have heard and I will answer." And if my people that are called by my name, etc. Second Chronicles 7:14, our favorite verse. But here Jehoshaphat is. And now, verse 10, Jehoshaphat is bringing it, bringing it to the present. Now look, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab. Behold, I say, they reward us. Verse 12, just skip down. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us neither know we what to do but our eyes are upon thee and all Judah stood before the Lord together with their little ones their wives and their children it's so instructive and the Lord um, answers by by the word of a prophet in the continuing verses the battle is not yours but God's you shall not need to fight in this battle Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And what's the response of Jehoshaphat? Verse 20, right in the middle. Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord, your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. Believe the word of his prophets. So shall ye prosper. The response to prayer, our prayer, the response to the promises that we bring up before God must be faith. We must believe that God is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If we doubt and say, well, God can't do it today. No. We learn from Jehoshaphat believe in the Lord your God. Believe in the Lord. He's commanding His the children of Judah believe in the Lord your God he will do as he has said. So I would encourage us as we pray, let us believe in the Lord our God. He will do what he has said. He'll do it for his own name, not for our name. He'll do it for his own name.